Welcome back to another episode of the Two Bros Podcast. I'm joined again with Big Brother. Good day to you, sir. And a very good evening to you. Well, also to discuss here, brother. Let's get right into it. We had the return of the big ass Champions League this time. Some very mouth watering fixtures right off the bat. Chelsea Sevilla. Let's get into that straight away. Stalemate nil all. Uh, quite a feisty, uh, you know, match. And uh, I think the scoreline kind of justifies the result. I would say Chelsea would be the more disappointed side with that result. I mean, it was at Stamford Bridge. And they were pretty much playing a full-strength Chelsea squad, but still uh, they weren't able to break down Sevilla. But mind you, Sevilla are not any uh, pushovers. They were convincing in their victory of uh, the Europa League last season. What is your takeaway from that uh, that game, brother? Well, to be honest with you, I didn't see it. But (laughs) Sevilla are a very, very tough side to Mm -hmm. play. Uh, uh, I think they've got European competition uh, nailed down perfectly. Mm -hmm. Uh, If my memory serves uh, me correct, they are the... Uh, they've won the Europa League uh, the maximum number of times and uh, they're there for a reason. So, uh, I don't think either side would be too unhappy, although you pointed out correctly that it was Chelsea's home game. So, they would have fancied, uh, you know, putting Sevilla under pressure. But I don't think uh, a draw between the two heavyweights uh, would be too bad a result. Well, we would expect these two to get through. You know, it's it's only a matter of uh, who finishes first and second. I mean, the other two teams in their in their group are Ren and Krasnodar. I mean, you would expect them to just uh, brush them aside. So, not really significant in the grand scheme of things, and especially not significant considering Ren and Krasnodar also drew their match. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Some very surprising results uh, future in further on. Lazio taking Borussia Dortmund 3-1. Now, that's a very interesting result and uh, a bit a bit of a surprise result because Dortmund uh, had everybody, the likes of uh, Haaland even uh, playing uh, up front, but still, uh, you know, con- getting a convincing win. You know, I think Dortmund are given too much respect by people like us who don't watch the Bundesliga on a regular basis. Uh, yes, they have incredible attacking talent but there's a reason why they've never been able to upstage Bayern at least not for the last seven years and uh, they have inadequacies they have inadequacies at uh, uh, on the defensive side of things mm-hmm. and uh, that's for all to see so a team like Lazio could take them apart Moving on then Juventus convincing winners against Dynamo Kiev and Barcelona with their big rebuilding so to speak after that demolition against Bayern Munich last season. 5-1 winners against Ferencoros. Now the big talking point here is a certain Cristiano Ronaldo has tested COVID positive yet again. And the next game in that in that group is uh, Barca versus Juventus at the Camp Nou and they're, they're saying that uh, Ronaldo might still be out for that fixture. A bit disappointing, really, but, uh, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, that's a big miss. Uh, Everybody pointed out that this could be possibly the last time uh, Messi and Ronaldo face off. And, you know, it's become a bit like Federer and Nadal. (laughs) You know, now they're in their golden years. You want them to play each other as much as possible. And every opportunity missed will uh, weigh heavily on both supporters' sides. And not just supporters, but neutrals alike. I mean, I'd still wake up and watch Messi square off against Ronaldo. And I like, I mean, like you pointed out, I like that the, the debate around who's the greatest of all time has kind of died down. And both players have, you know, received the respect that they uh, they deserve, you know, and from both sets of fans. Uh, I quite like that. Now, the very... Uh, 
the the game of the of the of the week i would say was psg against united at psg and united mind you it was a convincing uh, win and uh, defensively even missing the likes of harry maguire with a makeshift defense of three at the back including luke shaw playing telles and wambisaka as wingbacks they were able to hold off the likes of uh, neymar and mbappe quite sign- quite convincingly axel to one zb of all people as i remember his last game and this was pointed out uh, a lot of times his last game was 10 months ago against colchester united in the efl cup for the man to come back straight into the first team and uh, you know take out uh, take you know handle the likes of mbappe and neymar was quite quite something a very impressive performance from united well the saying is that one swallow does not a summer make and uh, you know i hope for united and their supporters sake uh, this is not the case here but because i didn't see this match i would like to ask you in depth uh, what did united do differently in defense well defense it did there was a, it was a shuffle of of uh, players it was a shuffle of tactics you had luke shaw playing uh, as a center back and with alex telles playing having the attacking role so luke shaw kind of had a role he he was he was not found out really he was he stuck to his position maybe that's something they worked on in the game week he was not found uh, by the likes of anhel de maria coming on from the right so defensively we were quite solid and lindelof mind you he was playing he was the most experienced uh, center back so he played a good role in commanding that defense and and mind you uh, a certain david de gea showed up as well with some earth shattering ground breaking you know instagram worthy saves it could have uh, easily been uh, you know uh, a two or three goal lead by psg and some goals he was he blocked at point blank range i remember the one from kurzawa uh, de gea really pulled the put a shift there but the likes of on on the left hand side and that's pretty much the side that neymar and mbappe favored wambisaka and tuan zebe basically kept them completely at bay throughout uh, the length of the game no so i want to know what what happened differently was the supply cut off and were the front three isolated or was it that they uh, you know pushed the front three out into wide areas where they couldn't do damage what what exactly happened no so this is the this is a similar thing that united went through last season they had no problem playing against the big six they took him out they were they won convincingly on the counter attack right it was only against teams that sat back and they invited pressure that united struggled to break them down now psg were up for a match they were up for it and at at moments it was really really heavy psg pressure and that's when they got their goal it was an own goal by marcial but they were really pressing for it but on several occasions psg got found out it was just one long ball over uh, by bruno fernandez and rashford was uh, you know rashford latched onto it uh, and of course the first goal was a penalty by fernandez and there were so many occasions in fact rashford had a lot of good chances where he should have probably taken a shot instead of thinking of squaring it to marcial it could have been 3 4 5 even and uh, in in the midfield uh, you know they they put in the enforcers of fred and mcnomine which kind of like like tactically fouled neymar and didn't really get him into the you know let him come into his rhythm at all i did uh, miss the presence of pogba because this was one game where we required somebody to you know hold the ball in the midfield you know instead of just uh, giving it away and that's that's what made the difference when pogba actually came on he held the ball right outside the defensive area played a simple pass on to rashford he found a bit of space uh go, built himself a little bit of a room and smashed it into the, the bottom left corner uh kelanavas i mean he was through he was incredible throughout the game he pulled off some really good saves but uh, this was out of his reach and a very deserved well deserved three points i would say for united i see 
So well done to United, and I must say the stats are equal uh, apart from possession, which is tilted in PSG's favor. Uh, both sides have 14 shots on target, uh, five, uh, 14 shots off target, uh, five on target for uh, PSG and six for United, and uh, seems like it was a good match. So uh, well done, sir, and all the best to you. It is uh, the group of death after all. Yeah, it was a great start, and we couldn't have asked for anything better. Especially, you know, building on the the win from Newcastle and the tough uh, the tough few game weeks that we have ahead. You know, with Chelsea, Arsenal, Everton, and Leipzig in the next uh, few weeks coming straight up for us. You know, it's a good confidence builder as well. And uh, yeah, we'll come uh, we'll come to United uh, in the Premier League later on. But let's cover the games on on uh, Wednesday then. Uh, some very surprising result there with Real Madrid playing at home, losing three two to Shakhtar Donetsk. A whole lot of drama here. Uh, right in the, I think it was the 94th minute. Real Madrid did score, but it was ruled out uh, by VAR. Uh, it was uh, because Vinicius Junior was standing in a, a position which blocked the the goalkeeper and it was ruled out. Uh, rightly so, but a shock, a shock result, and Real Madrid were f- far off the pace. You know, big shock. And uh, this is a game I did see. Uh, now Modric scored a worldie, but yeah. uh, you know. That's the difference, really, between Messi, Ronaldo, and the rest. The rest can have one excellent season, but to do it for ten, twelve, fifteen seasons in a row—that is what sets you apart. Modric, he's got the Ballon d'Or. He's in Real Madrid. He's got the La Liga. He's got Champions Leagues, but he ain't top class, and we know it. And yes, he scored a worldie, but a team that had him, Cruz off the bench. Sorry, Cruz uh, coming off. Uh, uh, or, or did he come on? He, he I, came I, off. He I came on the bench. I mean, came off the bench. I mean, to the yeah, he came off the bench. Yeah. A team like that should be walking all over a team that has thirteen uh, players or so out for the coronavirus. Yeah. So uh, for them to go three 0 down, I mean, it was uh, shoddy to say the least. And I would say a well deserved win for Shakhtar Donetsk. They've been the whipping boys in the Champions League for a while, but on this performance, I think they can take heart. Some other results from the fixtures on Wednesday. Uh, Bayern Munich four 0 winners against Atletico Madrid. Big, big statement right off the bat. I mean, Bayern Munich's right again. They, you know, they they're killing it. Uh, Inter Milan drew two all with uh, Munchen Gladbach. Man City winners over Porto three one convincingly. Ajax uh, lost to Liverpool by an own goal, I believe, and uh, Liverpool winners there. All right, then moving on to some Europa League fixtures. I mean, nothing really interesting to report here except. Uh, Spurs winners against uh, Lask 3-0. Very convincing. Uh, Arsenal had to uh, struggle a bit. Now, let me talk to you about that game. Rapid Vienna. What is that game like? Right. So, this is a game that has exemplified uh, the story of Arsenal, really. Um, uh, Very poor in the first half. But as Thomas Partey grew into the game, uh, so did Arsenal. In fact, the first goal kind of uh, brought them into the game, if you will. Now, I really like how he's uh, started. Uh, you know, once he got acclimatized to the rhythm of the passing and the rhythm of the players around him, he really ran proceedings. Now, bear in mind that this is just a, you know, an Austrian side and it's not Premier League standard. But I really like the look of Thomas Partey and um, I think he's going to light up the Premier League for some years to come. I would really like him to start this weekend uh, against uh, Leicester. And uh, Leicester has been uh, one of the teams that Arsenal have had a few high-scoring, 
encounters against uh, sometimes at the wrong end of the result. And I think Thomas Partey coming in would uh, shore us, uh, shore us up. Uh, and defense-wise as well, I think we'll do a lot better with him on our side. All right, fair enough. Now, I just want to mention this team, AZ Alkmaar. Now, they had 13 players out because of COVID and they took out Napoli at Napoli. Now, that is that is quite something. I mean, I just felt like uh, mentioning that a little bit. Now, uh, an early kickoff today. It's a, it's a Friday, uh, Friday night kickoff. Uh, Austin Villa versus Leeds. You know, now Villa still remain the only side which haven't dropped any points at all this season. They're already in game week six. Now, that's very interesting. And obviously, they have played a game less. Uh, Leeds United would like want to bounce back after their abysmal form lately. You know they have dropped a lot of points. They have looked off the pace. Uh, what do you make of this game? Well, this has all the makings of a high-scoring draw in it. I would put it as a three-three entertaining game for the neutrals. I do fancy Villa to continue their run, though. I mean, as uh, good as Leeds are, I do fancy the momentum of Villa at home to carry them through. And uh, they've got that uh, front duo and the midfield pairing of Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish pulling the strings. I think they'll do well. All right. Uh, Do you have any Villa players in your your fantasy Premier League team? Well, I've been looking at this fellow, Ollie Watkins. And to be honest, I'm still undecided Mm -hmm. if uh, I'm going to include him. Uh, But um, I think they are good value to score. And if you've got Bamford and Watkins both in your uh, side, I think you can't do much wrong. Yeah, I've I've, I've been holding on to Jack Grealish. I mean, he didn't score, uh, he didn't get much last game week, but I think he will deliver since Villa have a, a bunch of favourable fixtures coming up. Now, moving on to Saturday, we have an early kickoff with West Ham United versus Man City. Now, West Ham high flyers against Man City. I mean, they did get the win in the in the Champions League, and Aguero looks like he is back. Uh, what do you expect from this game? You think City are going to get back on track, or is this, uh, you know, our West Ham going to cause another upset? I think West Ham are going to cause all sorts of problems. They are exactly the kind of City uh, nemesis uh, that have been, uh, you know, that City have been found wanting against. And uh, with De Bruyne continuing to remain absent and Aguero only starting to feel his way back, and remember, they don't have a backup striker. Jesus is still out. And uh, if I'm not wrong, Fernandinho has been ruled out for a while. So, the midfield battles are going to be West Ham's. And, uh, you know, I expect that's where they'll find some joy. Don't forget that Mikhail Antonio has scored uh, nine times since the restart. And he's uh, odds-on to get in, you know, amongst those uh, tentative Man City defenders and get at them. Now, I don't expect an upset, but I do expect a scoring draw. And, uh, I mean, there were reports of De Bruyne returning to training, but I I don't think he is going to start. Maybe he'll come off the bench at some point. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I like that West Ham are no longer relying on one man alone for goals. I mean, they're scoring scoring from all kinds of uh, places and from all kinds of uh, people. Moving on to the next game, uh, Fulham Crystal Palace. Now, I tell you what, if Fulham don't uh, pull up their socks uh, soon, they they will find themselves really, really struggling. And I, I I tell you what, early early on, I'm really ready to make a prediction about who, which three teams are going to go down this season. Mm-hmm. Fulham's got to be one of them for me, and the other two are going to be Sheffield United and Burnley. I think that's that's pretty much how it's going to be in the end. I think I'm quite quite positive about that. But what do you make of uh, Fulham and Crystal Palace? 
Well, this one's got a Crystal Palace win written all over it. Mm. Uh, Fulham are just not clicking. Uh, they rely too much on Mitrovic. Uh, Mitrovic, unfortunately, skied a penalty last time around. But the good point is they broke their duck. At least they're off the mark. Um, this one's a relegation six-pointer. No way, no two ways about it. Yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace, even though they are a team that are punching above their weight, apart from Wilfred Zaha, really, they didn't do much. And uh, this being a London derby, Fulham have to get something from this. Now, as far as your relegation picks are concerned, I think we are on the same page with one uh, slight deviation. I would pick Sheffield United to survive. I think they've started poorly, but um, their experience, they having done well in the last season, will carry them through. I think West Brom are going to drop uh, along with Burnley and Fulham. Yeah, West Brom another contender for that. And speaking of Mitrovic, I have dropped him from my team. He has done nothing. I had I held him for three uh, three game weeks. I got 2-2-2 two, two and, two, and now he's off. He's completely off. Total disappointment. And uh, yeah, I'm glad I did that. And now moving on to uh, the fixture of the game. We got United versus Chelsea game at Old Trafford. Now, uh, this is going to be a really interesting pick. I mean, this, this basically starts... I mean, it's already started with the, you know, the tough fixtures have already started for United. But this is uh, where they really they can really show some uh, you know character and they can turn things around because it is at Old Trafford. They did... Uh, you know, the whole squad is back. Martial is still suspended. And we might, we might see a certain Edinson Cavani lead the pack. Well, 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 Edinson Cavani. Your big uh, summer bet. Wouldn't we all like him to start? Uh, I do suspect uh, he would not be thrown in at the deep end against Chelsea of all the teams. Uh, one ominous sign is that Timo Werner is off and running. And if you saw his second goal taken uh, last week, yeah, you will know what he's all about. Yeah. He's up there with Aubameyang as one of the best finishers in the league. Uh, Rashford, for me, if he has one or two good seasons, he will get there. But right now, Aubameyang and Timo Werner are the two bona fide finishers in the Premier League. Aguero's lost his legs a little bit. Uh, and, you know, there, there's nothing that can beat these two strikers in their prime. So, it'll all depend on how well your midfield can throttle uh, Havertz and, uh, you know, all the, the rest, uh, Pulisic and uh, Werner making up the link-up runs. How well you can stop them. Don't forget that Ben Chilwell has added another dimension of attack. So, Chelsea are really looking like the complete package. And, you know, with Van Dijk being out, Man City getting off to a slow start, We've got to look out for Chelsea. Now, I don't fancy uh, United to give up points very easily. But this one's going to be a tough game. Yeah, that's true. I completely agree with you there. Chelsea might just, you know, start uh, clawing their way back to the top of the table with the likes of, like you said, Liverpool and uh, City, uh, you know, slowing down a bit. Now, another, I would like to mention a player here that uh, did start against uh, PSG, a certain Alex Tellis. And even though he did play, I don't know, 60-65 minutes, he didn't play the full game. But he looks like an exciting player to begin with. And finally, finally, after years of watching Valencia and Ashley Young and Luke Shaw, we finally have a guy who can properly, properly cross the ball and it clears the first defender. I, I was, that, was, that alone was a joy to watch. And if we had a better target man... Uh, I mean, Martial was up there, but he's not much of a target man for headers and stuff. But I will... I will like to see a relationship between maybe Telles and Cavani come at some point because Cavani has got that physicality. He can, you know, create some space for himself, push people around and maybe get a get a header. So maybe finally, after years, 
I I don't even remember the last time. I mean, maybe it was Harry Maguire, but I can't remember the last time we scored a, a goal from a corner. It just seems like such a waste now, you know. But now with the likes of Telex Telex coming up and taking on those uh, you know, the corner duties and those free kick duties on the left hand side, I think. And with Cavani coming in, definitely, I think uh, it's it's going to be a nice uh, you know relationship. And I hope uh, that something uh, that comes true. Well, for someone who's uh, you know started uh, watching United on a diet of uh, Rooney, Ronaldo, and Van Nistelrooy, and you know Carlos Tevez coming in for that one magical season, it's a wonder that you know from set pieces, uh, United are not more threatening, and your only threat is now your big centre back Harry Maguire. So hopefully Cavani coming in can give you a plan B because, like you said, United have struggled against teams that have. sat back and defended and uh, you know not let them play on the counter so uh, you know maybe he'll give you another dimension maybe is another piece of the puzzle and i think a welcome headache for solskar but chelsea are no pushovers and yeah. i expect this one to be full of fireworks but defensively chelsea haven't been the best i'll be honest but uh, yeah again like you said this game has all the uh, recipes to be explosive Moving on, we got Liverpool versus Sheffield United later on at Saturday. But uh, I mean, Sheffield United struggling to score goals. They've scored, I think, two goals so far. It's just they're just goals not going to come. I, I don't see them coming from anywhere. But rumors say that a certain Ryan Brewster might start against uh, his old club. That might be interesting, you know. Liverpool finally, I mean, they did lose uh, Van Dijk, but they do have uh, you know the strong. They did lose Van Dijk and Thiago. I mean, that Merseyside derby basically demolished a whole bunch of people. Relat Richarlison is out. Hamis Rodriguez is out, and they've taken. They've basically, you know, taken each other out. You know, I I don't know what what really happened. It was a bloodbath. But uh, yeah, Liverpool expected to win here at at Anfield. Not much to uh, you know discuss. To be honest, in this uh, fixture. Now moving on to Sunday, we have uh, a few games. Uh, Southampton versus Everton. I would suspect Everton uh, with a comfortable win in this one. What do you what do you suggest? Well, uh, I would normally uh, put Everton as clear favourites, but uh, like you said, Hamez and Richarlison have been ruled out. Hamez has not been ruled out yet, but Richarlison is out. And if both of those don't start, then essentially uh, it's the Everton of uh, old, you know, with maybe a more potent finisher in Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Now, with without Hamez, uh, who is their midfield uh, general pulling the strings? and don't forget southampton have uh, strengthened a lot and southampton are on a are, are on a good run actually uh, they've won and uh, they've won the previous two fixtures and drawn the last one and uh, they've scored goals as well i think everton might also benefit from you know not having the distraction of european football you know so that that might work in their favor for this season you know uh, the likes of uh, the big the big six uh, seven uh, you know up in the champions league and the europa league with everton in the form they're in and the players the way they're clicking you know it might just uh, you know tell things in their fra- in their favor a bit the moving on the next game is uh, wolves versus newcastle and uh, this, it's a chance it's a golden chance for both of these teams you know put some points on the board and maybe uh, claw the way up because now the big uh, the big six are uh, you know they're dropping points it's a big chance for the, the rest of these clubs to you know claw their way back into the top half of the table and maybe compete for european places Well, Wolves started poorly, but since then they won two on the trot, and Jimenez, good for them, is coming back into the fray. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember us talking about how Wolves have had a really poor transfer window, and you know it's time for them to sort of uh, put that aside. Uh, again, uh, like Everton, they will welcome not having the distraction of European football, and uh, Newcastle started very well. 
but uh, they've kind of faltered they've lost the last one uh, and uh, i think this one's going to be a battle of the center forwards it's going to be wilson versus himenes to see who uh, really can put uh, you know his uh, pull his team across the line who do you still do you have himenes in your team or maybe uh, wilson who's your striker who are your strikers atop the your three uh, up front in your in your fantasy premier league team well right now it's uh, I haven't made my final selection but I'm thinking it will be Jimenez, Bamford and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. All right, some very budget uh, forwards up there. Moving on to the next game which is going to be a cracker, Arsenal versus Leicester City. Now Leicester City probably looking to bounce back, you know, they have dropped points recently. And uh Arsenal like what's what's the what do you feel about this Arsenal team and the way the season has started? I mean, we are 6 game weeks in now, maybe 5 game weeks in. How's it been so far for you? Well so far it's been good it's been uh, slightly above average we've lost the two games we expected to lose away at Anfield and at Etihad I'm happy we didn't lose at home to either of these two big teams and we won the games we were expected to so so far solid start this one really is the first true test of metal Leicester City you want to beat if you want to end up in the top 4 you've got to beat Leicester City you know not many teams are going to go to Anfield and win yeah. and similarly not many teams are going to go to Etihad and win but you really want to be beating the teams around you if you want to get back to the Champions League uh that's one the second thing which is a big factor in this match is the availability of JB Wardy now if he's in that's a whole different squad that Leicester squad is capable of beating anybody on their day without wadi not so much so i will fancy arsenal if wadi is not playing but if he's playing i would worry for arsenal yeah i mean it goes back and i i don't think lesser have really uh, you know given wadi some kind of a backup i remember in the early days of lesser they they used to be uh, okazaki and uloa now those who have gone they have brought in kalichi ihanacho but he hasn't really uh you know proved himself worthy as a, as a as a proper backup to to uh, wadi and now lester really do find themselves in a predicament because from what i hear wadi is not a certainty at all to start the the game against arsenal now without him i don't see anyone uh, leading the pack you're right on that and you know they made a club record signing the year after they won the premier league and uh, this was a guy called uh, Slimani yeah and even he has failed to deceive I I don't think he's got more than two or three goals in the three years since mm-hmm. um now Leicester I wouldn't go so far as to call them toothless in attack without Vardy I mean they've got goals in the midfield but Vardy brings an X factor Vardy is to Leicester what Rooney and Henry were to their teams you know uh you could be having the worst game of your lives and still win because you have a wadi and a rooney and a onre in your team without him you need to have 11 players at their absolute best to yeah. beat arsenal at home yeah. i would i would fancy uh, arsenal if wadi doesn't play but i would really like uh, arsenal to start playing thomas partey and uh, for obameyang to get a more central role because to me the influence of lacazette is waning and although i don't quite think eddie and ketia is the finished product i think eddie and ketia will play the same role uh, that you know uh, backup strikers play uh, which is to play in the cup ties and uh, essentially be uh, the injury insurance uh, against the main strikers uh, i i do think eddie and ketia will take uh, will play second fiddle to gabriel martinelli once he's finished 
and and back from his injury now martinelli burst onto the scene and if martinelli was somebody who you would be able to bring off the bench i would fancy the arsenal side to beat everyone except the big two mm-hmm. the the problem is we have had injuries in uh, some really to some uh, really uh, you know budding players when they were just about to get uh, into their groove and that has set them back by about half a season or a full season uh, but yeah Uh, this weekend against Leicester, I think it's a terrific opportunity for Mikel Arteta to lay down a marker as to how far this team has come. I completely agree with you there about playing uh, Aubameyang off his uh, regular position, and this is something that we've seen at uh, United as well. Rashford playing as a left attacker, and that's not really his best position to be honest. He's a centre forward, and uh, all the games he's played on the left, there wasn't much of an impact, you know. And he played as a centre forward against uh, PSG, and he really threatened, you know, with. with uh, with some goals and uh, and and a good hold up play as well you know but uh, yeah i i do hope that uh, changes in united can really accommodate and arsenal can play maybe obameyang as a center i don't really see why they would play a guy like obameyang as a, as a left and have uh, somebody as lacazette in the center but anyway that i'm not i'm not a manager moving on to monday now this is a four day game week it's going to be uh, really really long and uh, possibly the most boring fixture of all time uh, brighton versus west brom i mean is anyone even going to bother with this stuff i mean why why would you waste another day on that so well the funny the funny thing is that in the uk uh, you know in in the coronavirus uh, times uh, if you have to watch a premier league game on pay per view you have to pay 14 pounds 95 cents that is 1200 rupees oh, per Lord. game to watch it so imagine Somebody paying that kind of money to watch Brighton versus West Brom. Yeah, not me, not me at all. And the last game is gonna be Burnley versus Spurs away at Burnley Nods. High flying Spurs, uh, rejuvenated with the 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 you know the return of Gareth Bale, Harry Kane and Hyunmin Son firing on all cylinders. Lucas Moura chipping in every now and then, and their new signing. And now this is a very interesting thing. I really think uh, this guy Regulon, who's coming on their left back. he has got some attacking pedigree on him he's going to be a really really interesting uh, attacking option for for spurs a clean and clear victory for spurs uh, what do you what do you predict here well burnley are the equivalent of what stoke city used to be mm-hmm. now if this were the other way around burnley visiting spurs it's a spurs victory all day long eyes blindfolded you know no questions asked but it's at burnley and winter's setting in So you know it's one of those allegories that can you do it on a cold Monday night away at Burnley, oh, yeah. and and that's where uh, you know you come unstuck. Uh, you've had a midweek European game, you've travelled all the way to wherever you did, and you've come back, and now you've got to play on Monday night away from home. And you know uh, this one, uh, honestly, I had the option of picking Harry Kane, but I'm gonna avoid picking him for another week simply because this is Burnley away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think Tottenham will win, but I do think this is going to be a struggle. Well, Spurs giving away a three-goal lead uh, last game week, and that was a what a fantastic strike that was from Lanzini. I really couldn't believe what I was watching. I saw the game live; it was amazing. One of those great Premier League moments, which are going to be played over and over again on the on the Premier League Instagram channel. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So that pretty much covers it, brother. Thank you so much for joining us uh, for this uh, Premier League review, and I hope that you have a good game week now. uh as as a, a 
a Premier League fantasy Premier League manager for the last I don't know 10 years. What is your hot tip for this uh, game week? What is a player you want to look out for? Or maybe a, a a sneak purchase that you might uh, be interested in. You know. Well, somebody who you who uh, who may be slightly left field is uh, Ollie Watkins mm-hmm. uh, from Aston Villa. Now Aston Villa and Leeds United uh, is going to be a high-scoring game, and I do fancy Leeds. With the amount of goals they've shipped, I do fancy Villa to get goals. And Ollie Watkins, with his hat trick in the previous game, uh, sorry, the game uh, previous to last against Liverpool, uh, I think he's a pick. Um, funny that you drop Mitrovic because I would pick him in this game. Uh, you know, against Crystal Palace, Brighton had uh, a bright, bright game, and Mopé had a few good chances. Brighton actually had 16 shots in the game. And this is a game you expect Mitrovic to have many shots and maybe score. So those two are my left field picks for the week. No, I tell you what, I saw the way Fulham were playing, and I saw the kind of I I, I wasn't convinced. I mean, Mitrovic might get a goal here and there, but it's he's not going to be a game changer in the fantasy Premier League. I'll tell you that much. But anyway, with that, thank you so much, brother. We'll see you again, and I hope some of our predictions come true, and we'll see you next game week as well. Thank you so much and all the best to you against Chelsea I'll be watching that for sure All righty see you around see you around